0: Good afternoon and good evening to Nick, who will be on next. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to those that are in America and those beyond. Just be grateful. It's good. We are blessed. And if you don't believe me, our first guest will prove it to you. <laughs> she comes in with a ton of energy and a smile and clothes. Is parallel to none, based in Indianapolis, Indiana, one of my favorite places, home of Shapiro's Deli, by the way, the CEO of Sister New York, our glorious Linda Clemens. Welcome to Office Hours.
1: Thank you. Thank you. We've got Office Hours on Thanksgiving. We don't stop. The party keeps going. Again, thank you so much for having me. I always enjoy spending my time with you, and you know that Shapiro's here in Indianapolis, is a landmark.
0: Yes. It is. It It truly is. is. (laughs) And I just also want to thank Blaine. uh, It's funny. They asked me, do you want to do office hours on Thanksgiving? I said, look, what I teach is consistency, and Mm -hmm. I'll be there. And if any guests want to come on, then we'll do it. And if Blaine can make it, terrific. Uh, And sure enough, everybody's here, and what a great way to start my Thanksgiving because I'm so blessed and uh, you have a new book out, this ebook called Back in Touch, and it involves utilizing body language in order to effectively communicate and connect, uh, which is so interesting uh, how body language, even virtually, can make a difference. Uh, Where have these nonverbal cues uh, really taken hold and where do you see people misstepping?
1: You know, thank you. That's an excellent question, David. The reason why nonverbal communication and is so critical, even more so now, you know, even though the pandemic is quiet down, the uh, aftermath is still there. Can you imagine for a year, two or three years, we were told to keep our distance from someone, to stay away six feet, eight feet from someone. So you know how long it takes to reestablish a habit or to, uh, to break an old habit. So then our brain begins to get conditioned and touch is what we need. Connection is what we need. You know, I love being able to connect with you and Blaine through high tech. But the more we have high tech, the brain's desire for high touch. So back in touch is being able to connect with those where we had the interactions, where I could see you face to face, where I can shake your hands and the chemicals are released from the hands. Do you know it would take three hours of us just talking, not touching? to have any kind of interaction or connection, where we can get it instantly in a handshake. Because the moment when we shake someone else's hand, now you know we've got the fist bump or what have you. We shake someone else's And there's a sense of humility that is being released from the body. That means vulnerability that's being released. And that establishes the connection. Even during the pandemic, David, folks were afraid uh, to even look at each other. We were wearing the mask. And people don't realize the word person, persona, it's mask. It means mask covering anyway. So we were wearing a mask before we were mandated to wear masks but now more than ever. So, you know, uh, I, I think that uh, one of the lyrics in Dinah Ross's song, reach out and touch, you know, reach out and touch someone. So how do you do that? Maybe not necessarily physically that, you know, but you can do it when you're in another person's presence. Wow. Yeah. And what does that mean? How many times for those that are, that are listening, that are watching, how many times that your child comes in to talk to you, your loved one, your partner, your significant other? and you are busy, and yet you do like this. I'm gonna give you some body language. How many of us done like, we've done this gesture here. If you work in an office, if you're a leader, a mom or dad, significant other partner, and you'll say, yes, watch this. Come on, let's practice, Blaine. Come on, practice. Come on in. Everybody do this. Come on, Dave, do this. Come on in. Come on in. Do your hands like this. I want you to do your hands like this. Come on in. Right. Now take away the sound. Take away the sound. And I'm thinking, now when you do that, that's not come on in. That's shoot shoot that's dismissive yeah. it's come on in yeah. exposing the palms so we don't realize it because now the brain is saying you really don't want to spend time with this person you've got a deadline the end of the month so the brain the reptilian part or the amygdala which is the truth brain is revealing it through your body language And it's called leakage. So that's when we try to pretend to like someone. That's how we try to pretend to like the new boss or the director or the person that we're introduced to. The brain is saying, you know, flight, flight, flight. And it's sending those signals. So one of the things that's so important to your audience, and I want them to remember this, is Linda's three. I call Linda's three. It's the words, the tone, and the nonverbal. If all three, the words, the tone, and the nonverbal, if they don't agree, then there's a disconnect in the message between you and me. So if I go like this, David and Blaine, you know, I love you. You're, you're I mean, you make my heart, really, really, Linda, really? I'm closing the door to my heart compared to David, Blaine, you know, I love you. It makes a difference. And it, it, and it releases all those good chemicals. So, you know, you can tell my chemicals are jumping this morning already. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and you haven't even had turkey yet. I
1: haven't had my turkey
2: <laughs> You know, I, I love where you're going with this, Lynn, and I can't wait to pick up a copy of the book. Um, yeah, Alfred Morabian years ago did a famous study that has been you know, kind of bifurcated and all kinds out of
1: other UCLA, yes.
2: Yes, yeah, ni- 93% of communication, the communication packet that gets yes. delivered, 93% of it is outside of the actual linguistics Yes. You know, the words that we use. So only 7% of our communication is, is based on the words that we're actually using. And and this is organized around the meaning that gets made up. And you're talking about leakage. Um, you know, this whole notion, you know, when I was doing a lot of work with Nokia years ago, I was working with Finnish engineers. Mm. Yeah, Finnish engineers. So, yeah, that's kind of an interesting wow. uh, mindset in and of itself. But in order to get them to understand, I had to use language very specifically. Yeah, you know, number one was a signal to noise ratio. So how do we you know, as a leader, how do you clean the yeah, you know, clean the pipes out here so the signal to noise ratio is minimized so that the message has a chance to go through? Now, in the way that you work with your folks, how do you go about actually getting them you know, outside of the meta structure here of yeah, you know, you've got the, these three modalities? How do you actually get them to practice working? with this in a way that allows for the meaning that they're intending to actually land on the recipient.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I love this. So I'm going to say, I'm going to do one of my favorite quotes and it's by Emerson, but I'm going to clementize it a little bit. And it goes like this. I cannot hear what you're saying because who you are being is getting in the way. Mm -hmm. My granny would say, baby, I hear you talking, but I don't see you walking, honey. So if the words and the tone and the nonverbal are not congruent, then of course the primitive part of us, the message is being sent to us through the nonverbal. So let me give you a good example. Uh, I worked in an industry, uh, I'll say the vacation resort industry, one of the toughest and and the easy word most people re- uh, remember is timeshare. For over four decades, one of the top sales producers and sales trainers in the world in my industry. And people would say to me, um, how in the world can you sell to engineers, to accountants, to all different personalities? So if you're going to, you know, if you want to sell Steve, Linda, Brenda, Kevin, what they need, you have to see things from the way they see. So, one of the things I tell people is to exercise and activate empathy. Put yourself in that individual's shoes. So, how would I feel? How would they feel? How would I feel if I was in that position? So, I had a gentleman come in, uh, he was an accountant. And for those of you that ever been on a timeshare presentation, <laughs> I know who you are. You tremendously <laughs> how's your vacation right now? Right. So, so if the the gentleman, you could tell by his body language, Blaine, his wife pulled him in there because it was a fee simple deed kind of presentation. So the husband and wife, it was a real estate presentation needed to be there. So just by his body language, his feet were pointed towards the door. So if everyone could make note of this, our feet are pointed in the direction we want to go. The mind, will send the message. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. So the mind prepares to exit. So slowly the body begins to turn subconsciously, non-consciously. So after we got into the presentation, I start talking about things that were important to him because he was the accountant in the family. Number one, vacations, Blaine was not important to him, David. He didn't grow up taking vacations. So he looked at it as a luxury. However, his wife, grew up as a military brat. She traveled all over the world and she wanted to experience that with her husband and her son. And so I had to compliment him to get him in the game. And I said to him, says, you know, wow, I'm a single woman, David, I'm a single woman. And I said to his wife, wow, Cheryl, wow to have, I know you feel honored and grateful to have a husband who looks after your future, who's sewing now for your legacy. He's making sure every dollar, everything's accounted for. Now guess what happened Blaine? His body was turned towards the door. Now it start to ease in because he was hearing me make that connection. I can imagine the investments that you're doing for your son so that he can have a great college education. But here's the thing that I'm asking him if you don't connect with your son yep. if you don't see the return of investment roi
3: mm-hmm.
1: investing the time the physical time with your son and i'm using words that resonate with him blaine and i said to him what is it going to cost you from using the years of mm-hmm. not with your son that kid so i had to get to his emotional uh, dominant by mode through mm-hmm. the analytical part But Mm -hmm. most of us don't do that. If you are a visual learner, dominated visual communicator, guess what you're going to do in your negotiations and in your presentations? David, you're going to show the visuals. You're going to show the 20 slide deck PowerPoint and the person who is the auditory dominant communicator, decision maker, uh, Blaine, they're going like this. Can you just tell me how it works? Can you just tell me how it works? So if we don't speak their language and build the connection and rapport, then we will miss that. It's just being... Human, it's just being human.
2: Yeah,
0: and you're oh, okay. an expert at that. <laughs> <clears throat> and Linda, I, I can't stop. Uh, I know Nick's in the waiting wings, and we're going a little bit over. But one thing comes to mind when it's non-verbal, and I probably got into a little bit of trouble as I was still traveling around during COVID. Uh, I'm a hugger, and you were talking about the exponentiality in the connectivity of a handshake or a fist bump. Uh, to me. One of the most energy feeding uh, nonverbal activities is to give someone a hug. Now, I always ask for permission. I tell people, I'm sorry, I'm a hugger, and ninety nine living ninety nine percent of the people, even the people surprisingly that are gloved up and masked up, they still will give you a hug. It, it like was the most interesting thing in the world just by asking. They would be, you know, not in a hazmat suit, but I had people with gloves and masks on, and I'd say, Hey, I'm sorry, I'm a hugger. Can I give you a hug? And they still would give me a hug. And I think it was out of the exponentiality of that energy transfer. And I use it as like a filling station almost, as I hear, carry a very active schedule. Um, as far as nonverbal steps, uh, how important is hugging people, even if you don't know them? with permission, obviously.
1: So here is, and, and I, I tell you, David, this that subject is so powerful. So what I do, um, I when I do presentations, I do a little edutainment and I, I ask for volunteers. And I, I'll say, I need a few introverts to come up here too because the introverts are petrified. You are an extrovert. Your personality is big. So one of the things that you do well is that you ask for permission. But what happens is when you have the tribal effects, so imagine there's a group of people. And then David, the great David is hugging everybody. I don't want to be the one that may be left out. So I may be the introvert and it may just petrify me, even though you may ask for permission because introverts are very particular about their space and who they invite in. So one of the things extroverts always have a tendency to do when they oh. greet people and, and, the, and the little introvert and the other folks will stick out their hand. Sometimes, not you, David, sometimes extroverts will. Go like this, and not realize it. Move the hand unconsciously to the side, and says, "I'm a hugger, bring it in." So guess what we yeah. just? Did? <laughs> just what we just did. It's not. It's not important what you are. It's important what I am, and bring it in. And so what I normally do, and I suggest people to do when you meet someone. Of course, you shake their hand. You have a thousand watt smile. So the f- smile that you have, and the energy that you have, David, opens the door for someone to come in. How do you know people are uncomfortable with hugs is that when they hug you they go like this with their hand watch so here's you're in the middle of the hug they go like this pat 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 pat, pat, pat. so if anyone <laughs> ever pat, hugged you like that pat, pat 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 it's like hurry 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 get it over with mm-hmm. that's the signal and they'll stiffen up a little bit cuz oh please get it over with whereas an extra person like me I would melt into your hug you can always tell those that love huggers, they'll melt, we'll linger, we'll take a nap while we're there. We do it all in the hug. <laughs> but those true. who are not really wanting to be huggers, they'll go, pat, 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 pat. And now you realize why somebody's patting you on the back.
0: <laughs> I love it. Linda Clayton. Am I giving you an attaboy? <laughs> but I'm She's you always in hugs. <laughs> <laughs> We love you. We, we will have you on more of our shows, uh, CEO of Sisterpreneur my sister from another mister, back in touch. Let's all use the power that all of us possess and that uh, Linda exemplifies and illustrates so well, the power of body language to connect through the remote thing that I have today. You brought so much power and energy and joy. We (laughs) appreciate you. Uh, We love you and we look forward to more with you. Thank you so much for making my Thanksgiving start off better than I imagined.
1: I love you both. And remember, everybody, give your giving while you're living. Thank you Absolutely.
0: So much. Go hug your turkey. <laughs> <laughs> give your giving while we're living. Lindaclemens.com All right. Patiently around the world. Our friend is back here. Nick. There he is. In the house. This guy brings it in every, every possible way. His podcast, his radio, uh, with his personal brand, speaking around the world uh, about probably one of the most pertinent subjects, especially for
4: young people today. Welcome, and thank you for your patience, Nick Brax. No problem. Thank you so much for having me, David, and great to meet you, Blaine. Um, you I'm will. actually in New York right now, so I, I, I live, I'm from Australia, but I'm, I've am i come back to New York a week ago, so I'm here for Thanksgiving.
0: Oh, well, th- oh, good. thank you for joining us on this blessed day. We're all blessed to have you here as well. Well, you know, the move your mind concept uh, and understanding that we give meaning to everything that we see. Uh, you know, most people in some degree have some sort of attention deficit disorder. order. Uh, everybody has a story of struggle. That's part of the journey. Life is about lessons ever since I've read Sanskrit. script uh, and the lessons will keep on coming until you learn them. Uh, I always say I get kicked in the face eight times a day. The only <laughs> difference in my life today is I don't spend very much time. Uh, After I get kicked in pain or punishment, only in promotion and protection Uh, for you with all the different conversations that you're having in this area. What are some of the key things that people can do today to start the process of healing?
4: Yeah, no, thank you for bringing it up. And it's it's such a, a big area. And I love what you're saying there about when you get kicked down, you know, not spending too much time sitting in it and I heard Novak Djokovic talking about this quite recently and he was hmm. saying you know that's probably his biggest superpower that it's not that he doesn't have doubt and have downtimes but he spends hmm. you know small amounts of time in that in that space so really I the, for me the most powerful thing has been storytelling I've been in this space for 13 years now I'm not from a psychology background I grew up in a well-known family I wound up in the media had my own story and started sharing my story not knowing what I was doing and you know 13 years later I've sort of done so many different formats to get this message out there but just sharing stories opening up to people you know talking about our own struggles and how we can get through it and allowing other people to feel that it's okay especially men you know a lot of the time as men we feel like it's not okay to admit struggling. And, and you know, the only way to cope with the struggle is to admit it and find a way to, to mitigate it. So I think just being open, honest, vulnerable goes such a long way.
2: You know, the idea of vulnerability has always been an intriguing one to me from a leadership development perspective. And the, 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 the focus that you have on tell the story, you know, yeah, there's something about being able to tell the story that touches not only who I am, yeah, that makes it possible for me to touch somebody else. And this, this for me, at least, it's an interesting notion here. Yeah, I've been working you know, in this domain, in this field for about 40 plus years. So I've got a lot of stories, but a lot of stories I've told over and over and over and over again. Now, the audience hears them fresh, but they aren't necessarily fresh to me. The idea of staying connected to the story in a healthy way comes into play you know, with this. Because I can tell my story. and David, you've had this experience as well. I mean, lost $100 million. You tell that story all the time. You know, that reclamation, that reinvention. How have you and how do you work with people to get them to the point of realization where the story doesn't define who they are? It enables them to be better than what they used to be. Yeah, you know, if, if you can make that distinction.
4: Yeah, I think it's a really that's a really important question. And on a personal note, I when I got into this space, there was a point where in, in Australia I was doing you know two hundred plus talks a year, and I had to pull back because I was sharing my story. And as you guys know, you know you you're wanting to give it everything, and you're being so raw and honest. And it takes a lot out. And I it affected my mental health. And I was like, well, wow, this, I gotta find a way to balance this out. So I think it's you know, educating that we yes, it's important to share our story in the process of recovery. And if we can find that happy medium where when we are in that in a better space to be able to educate others, to use it to empower other people, but not at the expense of your own mental well-being and your own growth. You don't want to be sharing your story and having that hold you back in the past and not allow you to move forward. So I think it really is a fine line and assessing how can I adapt this and you know use this story to empower myself to get the message out there, but also uh, you know share messages of growth that as, as I go down my path. And I've had to do that in you know my public speaking career, and still always finding that happy medium. But I think it's it's such an important question because you know we need to share those stories, but also you don't want to let it put you in a you know, victim mentality or hold you in the past. I think right. that's, yeah, really important. It's,
2: it's kind of the distinction between I have a story and I am a story. <laughs> exactly,
4: exactly, yeah, yeah 100%. I,
0: I think you bring up a really good point, Nick. Um, I worked with a guy who was a famous New York Yankee, had his moments of glory, uh, got into a drunk driving uh, accident that killed one. Um, and from that moment, his entire life was blame, shame, and justification. Yeah, never once took any accountability. Still hasn't in every facet of his life. I I, I look and as blamed as my mentor has taught me, there's certain people that are toxic and that bleed you and you can't change people. You can understand and pray for their happiness, but you, it's okay to let people fall away from your life. But the lesson that I learned when I look at, very similar journeys between you and and this, you know, famous baseball player, now he's older than I am, but he's still living below the line. And he had an opportunity to utilize, as I have and Blaine have, the uh, challenging times of our lives to catapult us to a higher place of life, better situation, by learning from it. Uh, So many people see these struggles as punishment, and then go blame, shame and justification, which continue to fuel the fire in their lives to not be where they want to be and continue to find what they don't want. Uh, Can you help people understand how you're able to take your challenging from your drunk driving incident and elevate yourself instead of devalue and continue to spiral?
4: Yeah, I love that point, David. And I think it it's, you know, a lot of people, it's an excuse, really. If we want to stay in in that victim mindset, life's too hard, it's not fair, you know, why are other people so lucky? And, you know, you, you're only harming yourself. And let's be honest, the world's not fair. It's going to be, you know, amazing things happen, amazing things happen, terrible things happen. It's about what we can take out of them. And, uh, you know, I, again, as I'm sure you guys um sharing all the time in I think these when you fall flat on your face when you make a mistake when something happens that's a huge opportunity to learn and grow and when I look back on my life I wouldn't change a thing I wouldn't do it again I wouldn't go and crash that car and drink drive again but uh, definitely wouldn't do that don't even drink anymore uh, but uh it it really taught me a lesson I needed to learn at that time and I took accountability for it and that empowered me to go on the path I'm on so I think it's about just really taking ownership of your situation. And I feel like we live in a world more than ever now where, you know, through social media, everyone wants instant gratification. Everyone wants to have the reward without really putting in the work for it. And that's not how it should be. You know, it, it, the, the, the actual journey is what matters. It's not about the end results; It's about the growth you get and the lessons you learn. And I think we really need to understand that. And if we could understand that, a lot more people would not be sitting in, you know, that victim sort of mindset and they'd be learning from it and taking accountability and, you know, not waiting for someone else to pull us out of it because if we wait, it won't happen. We've got to, yeah. we've got to step up and, you know, make that choice.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The whole idea of you know, basically what you're talking about is how do I sustain success in life, given that life is going to throw me all kinds of shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really will. And, it's really you know honest to god I believe that you know, success ultimately comes down to my ability to you know, to develop to develop the capacity to continuously start over and part of that capacity is yeah you know, moving away from victim into yeah you know, okay what do I do now develop the capacity to continuously start over get knocked down get back up now that's easy to say but if you if you start to codify it as you know this is a capacity issue. <laughs> it's not a, a failure of ability. You just have got to develop the capacity, beginning with your mindset, how you think and that sort of thing and how you take on what it is that's just happened.
4: Yeah. And uh, yeah. I, I, I love
2: the story that you bring to the table, uh, Nick, because I think it's something that really needs to be heard. And I particularly like that you've got the platforms that you've got to be able to illustrate and illuminate this
4: because it, it's huge. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate it.
0: And Nick, I I love the fact that coming off of a speaking tour myself of 23 speeches in 30 days in the world, as you know, from Mexico City all the way to Tahiti to, I don't even remember, Malta, Madrid, Portugal, and London, Uh, it was interesting because I I had my wife with me for most of it, and it was a baseline that I was able to go back and forth from uh, the emotional out you know the, the out, out outgoing emotional aspect of speaking back down to center to receive back you know the purpose of, of telling this story and sharing these lessons uh that reached me um as we went along and i know you're doing that well nick uh we have so many things going on now that you're back in america here we'd love to see you fly out west we got a tv show going on in december in vegas maybe you can. Make that swing or yeah, uh, I know David in Blaine, Vegas. Has, Blaine has a show he wants you on and, and you we will do some swapping uh, of shows and uh, the world needs more of your storytelling and inspiration, especially with the necessity, uh, attention and personal growth uh, as there's so many different distractions today away from the trajectory of where we want to be. Nick Brax, Nick Brax, thank you for your patience. Uh, we appreciate you being on in Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving! Find the light, the love, and the lesson in everything you do by moving your mind with Nick Brax, nickbrax.com. Thanks again. We'll see you soon.
4: Thank you so much, okay. guys. Appreciate you
0: know. it. Awesome. awesome. Oh man, two awesome. for two on the guests, and we have Rohan waiting in the wings.
2: Oh, uh, all right. Yeah. I like punctuality.
0: <laughs> there he goes. Look at that beautiful hair! Welcome, oh happy God, Thanksgiving! Yeah, happy <laughs> Thanksgiving, guys. Is Sai going to join us as well? Yeah. There's Sai. Okay. Ah, uh, the boys are back. All right, boys. So I wanted to have you on. You guys are the co-founder uh, of, and I hope it's Vital, I believe. AI. Yeah. Is that good? Yeah. Like, give me yeah. a smile. Hi. Yeah. It's Thanksgiving. We're, we're here. We're, we're loving it. Um, the Funding a company uh, in understanding uh, and using AI to detect different brain effects, diseases. Um, And, uh, you know, you guys are extremely young, uh, which means that uh, you may not have the same situational knowledge as someone like Blaine that has seen all types of different structures and emotional intelligence that is an impossibility you guys have successfully raised one point two million dollars at a valuation of twelve point five million. That's not an easy feat for guys in complaining in my age. <laughs> um, you know, understanding uh, what your solution is. Where most younger people fall down is they haven't the time to articulate the quantitative value of their genius and overcome the lessening of credibility when you're so young. People like Bland and I, when we fund businesses, we are immediately have an instant bias that, oh, well, these are two kids. Am I getting $1.2 million uh, to two kids? Because they don't know what they don't know yet. They haven't paid their dummy tax. Uh, exactly. So I'm always amazed on how, one, have overcome uh, the bias that exists from being so young. And two, did you practice articulating the value of what you've done uh, or how were you able to communicate the value of your solution in a very difficult uh, economy today?
5: Yeah. So I think just to kind of like start out with your first question about kind of overcoming bias from investors. So Sai and I have actually sort of been inside this sort of like AI medical space for the past like four years almost it's been since the freshman year of high school and the way we were able to like kind of overcome the bias from investors is by essentially building our credibility by working with professionals in the years past so for example um, one of my first internships was actually at harvard medical school and at harvard medical school i led a lot of their projects and actually vitals product is um, it was actually incubated at Harvard Medical School under a PI there, right? So we had a lot of credibility from the founding source, which was Harvard. And on the business side of things, for me, um, I actually worked at Roy Vont as well. Um, It's founded by one of the current presidential candidates, Vivek Ramaswamy. So there I learned a lot of the, like essentially strategies for how to build a business from the ground up. And that was kind of my side of like building my own credibility. And then I guess Sai can talk about his as well.
3: Yeah. And then so my experience, similar to Rohan, I had a lot of experience in like the neuroscience research space. Um, I was an intern over at Georgetown for two summers. Um, and then on the business side, I worked with this company called called Quantbase um, and they got accepted into Y Combinator. So I really got like that full start to finish, you know, Um, I guess, understanding of how a startup is built, how they pitch to investors. And I'd say on top of just our experience, I think the biggest pull for us um, in terms of pitching to investors was we had a built out prototype that we were able to pitch. Right. So we weren't just pitching like an idea like, okay, if you give us this money, we will build this out. Right. We had it working and ready to go when we were pitching to them. Right. So regardless of our age, they were able to see a finished product in front of them. They were able to test the product for themselves, you know, even maybe have some of their colleagues in the healthcare eye space also test it. Right. And sort of give them a green light. Like, you know, um, don't have any doubts about this. This works as intended. So I think that was probably the main thing that helped us even more than just, you know, our experience.
2: I'm struck by, you know, you, you said four years ago when you were a freshman in high school, right, Rohan? Okay. Yeah. So that, that gives me a kind of a baseline here where we're at right now. Um, 1. Uh, 1. 1.2 million. Um, the idea of, yeah, you you've, you've, and I love the fact that you had a working prototype. I mean, that just makes all the difference in the world. It certainly does. What are you doing from, I, um, and this, the, And really I'm kind of thinking about this from the the, the presumption that, You don't want to be in a position of not knowing what you don't know. And how are you going about getting mentors and listening to mentors in a way that actually facilitates you keeping yourself moving? Because you two are incredibly bright. There's no question about that. Yeah. And I would love to have you working on anything that I'm doing. My concern would be, okay, and I run into this a lot with bright people, yeah, making sure that they are continuously yeah. c- you know curious about what they don't know where's my blind spot how are you taking care of each other to ensure that your blind spots keep illuminated yeah. i guess that's the, net I of my the
3: main thing yeah so the main thing is what we did is when we started this company right we knew that we needed a really strong set of board members right and invite mm-hmm. like advisory members <laughs> so like you said we did identify our specific blind spots right mm-hmm. so first was do we scale this globally right because we have the knowledge to build the product but you know marketing it and selling it is a whole nother ballgame right so we knew that we needed someone to help with scaling it to a global level right Mm -hmm. and actually being able to help pitch our innovation to consumers right so for that we reached out to dr sergey neticene he's a vice dean over at Wharton, so he's one of our board members and he's a vice dean of global innovation and entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. so he knows everything about he's been in the space for almost 30 40 years so he knows everything about pitching technology to you know various countries you know nonprofits even like just from a B2c standpoint um, and then we knew we needed someone with healthcare credibility right because obviously you know healthcare is probably the most you know volatile field and most risky field to get into because you know one mistake can destroy a company right so we got um, Dr. Anita Gupta who was actually NYC's chief surgeon in 2023. Um, And so some of our pilot hospitals are actually going to be in NYC as well, right? So she's going to be able to help facilitate that and also just make sure that as we're pushing this product into the hospitals, that we're keeping it in a way where, you know, we're still keeping like patient safety in mind, making sure that doctors are happy with the product, right? To make sure, you know, everyone's just totally cool with how our app is working and functioning in the clinical workspace. Um, And I'd say that the, the third main a uh, person that we needed to add was someone who had a lot of experience with, again, the business model side, which we put a lot of emphasis into, right? Because we've seen like, through our research of like competitors and past medical companies, a lot of them raise almost like 20, 30 million in funding, build an amazing product, 20, 30 person team, but they just aren't able to sell, right? Because there's so much skepticism surrounding medical products. Um, <laughs> our third main advisor is Vikram Dendi, who's actually the chief product officer at Microsoft right? So obviously he has plenty of experience with, you know, uh, customer reliability, right? And like actually having them trust our product, which is another big thing that we wanted to do, right? Was building a lot of trust around our product. Mm-hmm. Um, So I'd say, yeah, those are like the three main parts of our business that we sort of identified as, you know, points of potential, like, you know, misjudging, right? Mm-hmm. Especially due to our age. Um, so we hope that with our advisory board, and we're continuing to build that as well, right? We're like totally keen to adding more and more advisors, experienced professionals to our board. Um, but yeah, really? I that's the main way. Good.
0: You know, Love guys, uh, it, it brings two things to mind. And I think it's really more basic advice that I give to people and, and Blaine as well when we mentor. But one, people ask me, what's the number one thing piece of advice you would give to an 18 year old or your 18 year old self. And it's ask for help. And so I want to reiterate and emphasize that you guys are really good at asking for help beyond the fact that you obviously have an extreme intelligence and inspiration in what you do. Uh, but what stands apart from younger people that I work with is that you ask for help and older people, which leads to the second point, which is so many people in their fifties, sixties and seventies <clears throat> come to me and they feel stuck and they say it's too late. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and and I use you two guys as an example. I was like, okay, so you're gonna now use your age, being older, I mean, as an excuse, why you can't get what these guys got done in four years with lived life experience, limited economic relationships. You have extreme life experience and tons of economic relationships. You're just using it's too late as an excuse to not do what these two young men have done. And so anyone out there in their 50s, 60s, 70s that are trying to convince me that it's too late, these guys were just recently freshmen in in high school. (laughs) And there's plenty of technology out there to assist you. And if these two guys can do it, uh, not to diminish the capacity of you to to compliment you, then it's worth, if you really believe in what you're doing, then it's worth giving it a try whether you're 50, 60, or 70. Um, last question is it's Thanksgiving, and I know your families are probably dying to see you out of your basements in, in your office there on this holiday. Um, what advice would you guys give, or are you mentoring other high school kids today to help facilitate, you know, I always I say, our, our bench is deep, Blaine, when I deal with young people. Yeah, and, and, America's bench is deep and this these guys are like LeBron James and Steph Curry playing together uh but our bench is deep what what are you guys doing to mentor others or or give back to others that are younger than you
5: yeah so I mean at a broad level I think my advice would be the best way to learn anything is to kind of throw yourself at it head first right (laughs) experience is worth just as much as reading 100 books right and you're not going to really build that intuition until you place yourself in the middle of a situation where you are forced to deal with the issues that are coming at you. Right. And it's kind of the approach that Sai and I took with Vital. Right. We kind of just like threw ourselves into the mix. We founded the startup, got it incorporated. And then we essentially learned through trial and error how to do certain things, you know, how to pitch our product in a way that would actually reach people's hearts, how to, actually have people understand what we're building. Um, and I guess to be more specific about how Sai and I are giving back, we actually run the research and development club over at our high school. And we're actually helping you know the underclassmen start new projects from the ground up, right? Because we kind of realized that a lot of the underclassmen um, they kind of look at the seniors and juniors and they're kind of intimidated, right? It's hard for them to compete directly against these kids who have had a lot more experience and have gone through that sort of trial and error process. So, Cy si and I are essentially trying to alleviate that issue. And eventually, we're planning to branch out of our high school and reach out to other high schools as well to get it started. All right. I
0: love it. I love you guys. That's yeah. Yeah. Please come back. Cannot wait to see what you guys do next. To get more information on Vital, go to vital.ai. I always say genius is an expression of God, and you guys have been touched. Uh, Here on Thanksgiving, we're blessed to have such a deep bench, to have such extraordinary young people like yourselves, not only asking for help from the leaders in our world, but also giving help and reaching a hand behind you to pull up a chair next to you uh, from the experiences that you've had. Please come back and join us, fellas. Keep up the great work. Uh, both uh, with the business and your personal lives. Enjoy yourselves. We're grateful to have extraordinary young men here on Office Hours. Thank Take you. care, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving, boys. Wow. Boy. How about that?
2: <laughs> Blow my socks off here.
0: Yeah. No. We, I, he's like, I, well, we were a freshman, 4 year i thing in college, and then they're like high school. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And yeah, make excuses. I'm, I'm going to start with my takeaway, right? <laughs> yeah,
2: I think you go ahead. <laughs> yeah, sorry.
0: I, I just can't help myself because the takeaway is so apparent, right? The below-the-line below the, below the line behavior and perspective, and we'll see it today on Thanksgiving. Um, you know, I literally um, go to see first time, my whole family is together after quite a season of uh, – of family issues uh in in the first time in years at everyone all the kids the and you know to initially have anxiety was perplexing to me because you i find myself teaching other people about this you know complexity and and helping others but when it's as always the what do they say the cobbler's kids have no shoes i i found myself shoeless uh In the last few days with anxiety and I've healed that by being above the line and, Mm -hmm. you know, looking at blame, shame and justification and the lack of control we have of others being below the line and utilizing forgiveness uh, as a key component. For me, the way is try our best accountability has three phases to it. Uh, where we don't have to be below the line and blame, shame, and justification. The first take responsibility for your part. Take and look and see what you've learned from taking responsibility in your part. And then also learn lessons from what did you do to attract this? You know, life's about these lessons, and there is a law of attraction, and we have to be accountable for the attraction aspect. And then Most importantly, and this is an area that you helped me with, especially in this situation with my own family relationships and relativity, is what are you doing to participate, Dave, in this perception? And what are you supposed to learn from it? What what do you do to participate in this perception? And what are you supposed to learn from it? And all three of our uh, guests today were above the line people. And their energy and their success is uh aligned with what I find people who live in accountability with gratitude and forgiveness they're inspired and especially Linda you could feel you could feel her come on the show we're virtual yeah. you could feel the show elevated by her presence she liberated our light by her presence and she lives above the line in inspiration because of that gratitude that she displayed forgiveness and accountability so that's my takeaway how about you, WB, com?
2: <laughs> well, I'm gonna, you know, just going to land on gratitude. I came across a roomy quote the other day. Um, Wear gratitude like a cloak, and it will feed every corner of your life. And that, I mean, it just kind of struck me. Uh, and I came across it actually yesterday, and I was kind of like, this is perfect for Thanksgiving. And, uh, and today, just, you know, looking at you know, Nick, his story, uh, yeah. I was struck by, yeah, I would never want to do that again. And I'm grateful that it, that it happened. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Referencing his story Uh, with Linda. Yeah. Just, I mean, just, she just exudes gratitude. I mean, yeah, (laughs) I, you know, look up gratitude and there you are, you you see a picture of her, Uh, but it shows up in every aspect of life. And then with Rohan and uh, Sai, uh, I am just for me, I'm I'm grateful to see youth taking off and just running with ideas. I mean, you and I are, are both sharing right now a, a resource—a young fella in uh, Germany, 16 years old—that's uh, you know, handling some of the some of my, some of my social media. I, I love this kid. I absolutely love what he does and how he's working. And I, the idea of gratitude. Life is such a a bowl of miracles when we open our pos- yeah, our eyes to the possibilities. And I know you've been going through some stuff in the last couple of days and, and whatnot. Um, and I, I'm i grateful that you're looking at it through the lens that you're looking at it through because it makes all the difference in the world with the people that you're around and who you work with. And there is a law of attraction. I mean, and and yeah, every now and then there's leakage and there's you know, shit that kind of pops through. <laughs> But ultimately, we end up mastering various levels of life. And that's what mastery is about, is various levels of life. You know, there's no ascended master. There's just people that have ascended to a certain level and then you know, moved to another one. And we're all on that migration. So I'm, I'm just grateful for life. I'm grateful for my age. I'm grateful for the friends that I have, the family that I have. And I'm grateful that I get to sit here at 5 a.m. in the morning with you. And, uh have these wonderful conversations from people around the globe and I'm grateful to just be a part of your life. so gratitude permeates everything and I look at these pictures and stuff on you know behind me you know my wife you know the the book that you and I wrote the I mean and you know, the adventure of you know, a, you know grabbing a jet pack and go flying. I'm grateful for life just go explore and experience and have a ball to your motto yeah. You know, we make a lot of money, have a lot of fun, and help a lot of people. I mean, just kind of, <laughs> that's you. what life's about at the end of the day. So blessings, my friend, to you, to Julie, to the kids. And I can't wait to see you in Vegas.
0: I will see you in a couple of weeks, and I'm so grateful. Uh, the presence of, It's not only the people that you saw here, Blaine showing up at 5 in the morning and our three guests showing up here on Thanksgiving, but Raluca, Gigi, and Ian, three people on my team, are also here behind the scenes on their holidays, uh, waking up early. And, uh, you know, it's very easy when you're younger uh, to give up a day to sleep in. And I'm just so grateful for people that uh, really are honoring our community uh, with good intentions. And we're blessed. God is good, and so is Blaine. And please send my love to you, your wonderful wife, my OG. I thought it was funny. I called her the OG, Cynthia Kersey's the founder of Unstoppable Foundation and Blaine's wife. I heard the OG, she goes, is that the other girl? I go, well, you are my other girl, but you're the original. That's is the okay, original, girl. and Blaine Bartlett and Cynthia Kersey are the OG. They're the original, there's none like them in the world. So selfless and so grateful in everything that they do. Stay blessed, my friend, enjoy your day, send my love, and we'll see you next week.
2: Magic, okay
0: magic thank you all right everyone happy thanksgiving it's that easy to avoid the dis easy uh if anybody would like to join us tomorrow we're doing a thanksgiving training uh on friday as normal over 24 years of training it has grown and grown and grown i think we're almost 90,000 people registered for tomorrow's training which is unbelievable to me i want to thank everyone especially my team reluca gg and ethan for being here um I am so grateful. God is good and blessed, blessed for the meaning of my past, blessed for the present, and most importantly, blessed with the gratitude of the future that I call faith. May everyone here find light, love, and lessons today in everything that you do. Make sure you find the light and the love and the lessons through gratitude, forgiveness, and accountability. Effectively communicate with your higher being and others around you. Allow life to come through you on this Thanksgiving Stay blessed. Email me if you need anything, david at dmelcher.com. And remember, most importantly, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We'll see you tomorrow. Bless you all. Thank Happy Thanksgiving.